Welcome to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. We're giving out prescriptions for better financial health and making smart decisions with your money. We give common sense solutions to your complex problems. And now, here are the doctors. Well, Zach, it is a pleasure to be on the radio show with you again this week. It's It's been a lot going on. It is. It is a pleasure. It's always a pleasure to be with you, Matthew, to talk about things and and just to hang out a little bit yeah, on the that's mic. Right. You know? That's right, man. Behind the mic again. That's right. It's been a good weekend, Labor Day. Did you guys, you guys do anything special, you and your family? You know, my wife was out of town uh, visiting her new niece, our okay. new niece, I okay. guess. Yeah, yeah. That's how it works. Uh, but it was her sister's baby. So I had the kids myself. We had a lot, a lot of fun uh, hanging out, grilling out. We went to trampoline park. Whoa. Was that we're outside? You just, you know, basically the, the goal of having kids is to just do a lot of things and tire them out <laughs> be, so they go to sleep. Yeah. Eventually. So all around the sleep that bedtime. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, yeah. So it was good. I mean, we, um, yeah, watched some football. Hmm. We, um, it, it was good. It's a good time to have. It's a, a different level of like engagement and management, hmm. but uh, I think it's a good kind of daddy children time yeah how was that time and just personal question without caroline just being kind of the only parent in the house for yeah. at least an ex, you know a well you, you realize two. the things that the things that you're good at and the things that you're bad at mm. you know and and how much you rely on the other person for uh for a lot so, you know certain <laughs> things especially yeah um just being aware of that but it's you know it's so it's kind of a nice time in one sense because you get to discover that but and then you're like you just you're just thankful for them to return <laughs> so yeah yeah it was good though we had a good weekend how about you yeah, man, good weekend. Um, honestly, not a lot going on. Um, had a lot of time to rest. Had some good outside time. It was beautiful weather. I mean, it was mid, great. Not too 80s. hot. Yeah, yeah nice, nice uh, summer weather gorgeous. in September. Yeah, it was, it was really nice. And yeah, Schwab transitioned uh, over the weekend. I'm sure if you're listening to this podcast and you're a client, you've experienced that. Um, big transition. I mean, it just a lot changed from our standpoint behind the scenes. Hopefully not a whole lot of change from a client standpoint. There are some things that we're getting questions on uh, with that, but overall, what we're what we're hearing, what we've seen, is that it was a good transition and went really well, yeah, fairly smoothly from from what we. Yeah, could see. I mean, in the in the scope of things, fairly smoothly, and there and you know, obviously, there's going to be some questions um, from folks, but uh, for the most part. It it like you said it it's gone really smoothly. So. Yeah, which is which is good. So by the way, I'm uh, Matthew Travis. I'm a certified financial planner and um, an advisor here at the firm. I've been here for uh, coming up on six years. Uh, next That's year, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah. And I'm I'm Zach Albanese, uh, certified certified financial planner as well. Been here for almost three years, and um, yeah, enjoy what I do. So yeah, that's good, man. Yeah, and we're excited um, that you are listening today to our weekly show. Uh, this podcast or uh, radio show, as it used to be called, is up every Friday afternoon. So you can uh, find our shows on the website through moneymd.net or iTunes or Spotify or any of the place you listen to uh, podcasts. Um, and you can also check us out online, our website, uh, moneymd.net, where you can link to us and ask us your questions and you can link into previous shows. Um, so yeah, with that, we're going to start with the financial fact of the week. Yeah, this financial fact has to do with uh, exchange traded funds. And so, uh, uh, sometimes, you know, we call them ETFs, exchange traded funds. And the fact is they're closing down, um, at, at a rapid rate with many niche products in the industry struggling to attract investors in a market dominated by a handful of big tech stocks. So, 
Global fund closures have climbed to 929 2023 from 773 at the same point last year, according to um, uh, some research. And so new listings still exceed closures, but have slowed by 27%. And so these closures reflect um, weaker inflows and waning enthusiasm for niche investment products mm. as competition from as competition from other companies rises. And so this just goes to show how funds, they, they open and close quite rapidly. And the reason I thought this fact was good is because the funds that we use here, uh, dimensional funds, since inception have had a 97% rate of survivability. Survive, yep. survivability. Yeah, yeah. Which comparatively, and I don't have the stat in front of me, but it was in the 40s to kind of all others. And yep. so they really have a great track record of mm. when they open a fund, they keep it open because it's it's based on a, a disciplined philosophy and, and, and academics as opposed to just a whim or just trying to chase something or, you know, as this stat uh, talked about, these niche products chasing mm-hmm. a niche market, they're, they're not about that. And, uh, and we're not about that because we're interested in investing funds for the long haul and smart, diversified investments and not just trying to chase something that looks appealing for the short term. That's just mm-hmm. not what an, uh, our view of investment and, and retirement planning is all about. Yeah, that's good. And just to clarify, the ETF is very similar to a mutual fund in its dynamics. So mutual fund ETFs, um, very similar. But yeah, great. uh, Honestly, great encouragement of why we use dimensional fund advisors is their track record is just very good. Like you're saying. Yeah, they're consistent. So yeah, good financial fact. And now we're going to jump into the first article, uh, which is uh, retirement. Um, can be a goal, but maybe uh, not the vision. Yeah, that's right. You know, this is from Kiplinger. Kiplinger? How do you pronounce it? Kiplinger, yeah, yeah. Kiplinger? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I feel like I <laughs> never am certain. <laughs> it's gotta be, you got to be confident. Yeah, Ki- Kiplinger. Yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah, so, you know, once I think once you get to retirement, you know, the big question is what are you going to do? Mm. We see this a lot with folks. You know, they, they get there and they're, they're not sure. And so they just kind of work for longer and longer and lack a, a certain purpose. And so asking yourself some key questions as you approach that milestone really can help shape your vision of, of what's next. And you know the, the title of the article is Think of Retirement as the Goal, Not the Vision. And what's funny is I, I always hated the idea of goals when I was growing up. People would ask, you know, Zach, what's your five-year goal? What's your 10-year goal? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I'm just going to work hard. I'm going to trust the process. And, you know, kind of a figure it out as, as um, time goes on. And I, I had the perspective, I had that perspective because goal really just wasn't the right word for me. Mm. I didn't know what my five-year or 10-year goal was. Uh, a goal was something to me that, that was reached, but reaching a goal was never a standalone act. Mm. You know, reaching a goal requires skills being built, lessons learned through trial and failure, shaping and refining a goal of hitting a promotion or getting married is not a good goal. I can't just be like, I'm going to get married in five years. I'm already married, by the way, but you know that's what I said back then. <laughs> yeah, it, There's a process to it. You, right. you can't just achieve it because it's a goal. You need to think about the steps. You need to think about mm-hmm. the kind of person you want to marry. You, th- you need to think about the steps mm-hmm. toward that. So anyway, instead, I think what helped shift my perspective away from thinking about goals and more so this this word vision is thinking about the building blocks that lead to the goal. And for that, we need a vision. Or as you guys know, my favorite word is 
is a telos. It's it's a mm. Greek a Greek word that just means goal or vision or purpose. Telos. We need that to help shape kind of who we are and what kind of life we're living. And so when I started to change the language and think of the question, who do I want to be in mm, five years? That's good. Or what do I want my life to look like in 10 years? Then I could create micro goals to help me achieve this larger vision. So I like this article because, as I said before, too many people think of retirement as the vision, but it should simply be a goal along the way. Retirement is not a telos. It's a marker along the way toward achieving something. And a common saying goes, we've used this before on the podcast, it's not what you're retiring from, but what you're retiring too. I think that's a that's a good phrase to think about. Yeah, that's good, man. And I think the uh, you know as as we're reading this article, you know, a difference in the goal versus a vision is a is a goal kind of like you said it ends and there's just like a this is this is it and then we've arrived and then what's next. Whereas sure. the vision is it it is this longer term like who am I becoming? Who am I being formed or shaped into? And that type of person has goals along the way. But you should be very careful to say this is the goal of my life because then it once it's there, it's like, well, yeah. who am I or right. or what do I do now that that goal is achieved? So right, yeah. So you know, asking yourself, have you ever thought about who you want to be after retirement? Have you thought about creating a family vision um, for the type of family you want to cultivate over you know yeah. the next years, decades, however long you have? What what does life look like for you and your job? When your day job is out of the picture, uh, what value add um, you know can you carry into these these latter years of your life in a way that can be meaningful and impactful? A vision again is not the same as a goal. Uh, here's an example: it's it's clever. If you get into your car and drive until you're out of gas, you will most certainly get somewhere. Mm-hmm. Getting in the car to reach a destination is a goal, but it lacks purpose. There's yeah. no there's no vision. Yeah, why no, are you doing that? Yeah, there's no why yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, to that. You know, and so spending quality time with important people, um, you know, can be very fulfilling and can and can fulfill that purpose. And so having these relationships um, can be good. And having planned stops, you know, goals along the way can be. Can be good, but never having those as the end end all be all. Yeah, yeah, that's real good. And a good a good book to think about this. And this is a popular book. It's by Jim Collins called Good to Great. Uh, talks about the difference between a good company and a great company. But he he defines vision as uh, vision equals purpose plus values plus goals. And so goal retiring is a very important part of that, right? The goal of retirement is a component of the vision because it's a milestone along the way, but it's not the full picture. It's not the end of the road. And like many of the big milestones in life, the real work begins after you achieve yeah. it, right? So many young folks have the goal of, of going to a great school, but once they're there, they need to graduate. And getting married is a goal, right? That was, that was a, a, a milestone, but, or, and really, as I mentioned earlier, it, it's kind of, there's building blocks to get there too. But really the point of getting married is to, is to stay married, right? right? It's, a, it's a larger vision of that. And so, um, even think about children. Having children might be a goal, but being having children is not about having the children. It's about being a good parent, um, and really, you know, it's a that's a lifetime job. And yeah. so, thinking a little bit more in depth, mm-hmm. another layer to it. Retirement is good is a good goal to have, um, but it doesn't really sustain in the long term. So you really have to ask the question: What are the missing pieces of your vision uh, in retirement? So. Yeah, that's good. And, and I've heard this um, picture being uh, used before for this. And it's like you're driving and the goal would be the windshield and the vision is the road. 
And so if you ever just focus on the windshield when you're driving, uh, you can't do that very long because your eyes are off of where you're going. And mm -hmm. so, you know, looking past that or looking through that and saying, hey, what is this bigger what is this bigger picture of my life? Um, yeah. And, but I will also say, and this is maybe a caveat, I'd love to get your input on this, is can you have an incorrect vision or a vision that is um, that is bad or that is unhelpful? Sure. And, and what I'm specifically thinking about is I would say, you know, if you're listening to this podcast, you know, likely you have heard of the American dream or you're in it and you're just trying to be happy and healthy and wealthy and trying to be as comfortable as possible and that can be a vision for people, but I would also just argue or just have you challenge that and think through, man, what is the American dream? Um, because that can be a vision that people have that can honestly be very pointless in retirement. And we've seen this and, and you've sure. mentioned to it of just like, hey, I just want to get to retirement and stop because I want to be comfortable for my life. And I don't know, just like that balance between, okay, some comfort is good. And like, yes, you've worked hard. But also, what what is the purpose of retirement? What is the values that we want to carry into retirement? Yeah, so. no, I think it's a that's a good question to think about. I think they're in evaluating that is definitely something to do with yeah, close friends, family to talk about as you plan out your finances. You know, meeting with w one of us or your financial planner. Um, I think the importance is to the first step. It should say not the importance. The first step is to acknowledge that. There needs to be something mm. beyond that point, right? Right. And then, as you discover that something is, then maybe fleshing it out and and diving deeper into that. And but yeah, those are those are good questions, uh, absolutely. Because I think you can have an empty vision uh, that doesn't lead anywhere. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. That's right. And and so just <clears throat> you know, just thinking about where you are, right? So um, if you're if you're 20 years old and you're hearing the word retirement, you're like whatever, like. You know, I don't. I don't need to think about that. That's very theoretical. It's down the road a ways. Uh, if you're 65, you're like, mm, that, this is more. Yeah. This is more. You know, in my face and something I'm really thinking through. Um, but the the key of this, like you said, is to acknowledge the fact that um, you know we we do need to think about things that are coming up in our lives. It, it is uh, helpful to think about. Hey, if you are 20. What is, a, what is the person over the next 30 to 40 years that you want to cultivate yourself to become, to lead into retirement? If you're already in retirement, it's even casting the vision now of, hey, you know, how do I want to end retirement? You know, what relationships do I want to grow? Um, you know, because I have all this extra time because I'm not working a day mm -hmm. job. So at, at any point in your life, asking these questions can be very valuable um, for, for evaluating for retirement in your life. Yeah, absolutely. And so I think just taking a step back and and asking yourself the question, you know, it's kind of funny as as I was uh, really rewriting this this article and thinking like asking the question, you know, who do you want to be when you grow up is a good <laughs> retirement question. Of like, yeah. you know, in your in your 60s you ask who do you want to be when you grow up, aka, you know, when you retire. Yeah. And I think that's you know, it sounds childish and cliché and I get it, but really it's who who do you want to be in retirement is a great question. Do you want to do you want to focus on being the best grandparent mm -hmm. that you can be? Maybe you maybe you regret working hard when you had young kids, and but you want to be there for your grandkids. Maybe that's part of your story. Uh, I don't know. Maybe you have a second job idea. Maybe you want to. Maybe you just love coffee, and you're like, hey, I want to start a coffee <laughs> shop. I don't need money anymore. I'm retired. I'm financially stable, but I really just love coffee and conversation. Great. Do that, and don't have the stress of finances mm -hmm. along with it. 
right? Look at retirement differently. To, th- to look at the things that you value. Maybe you like building furniture. Maybe you like, I, I, I don't know. Th- this is where this is where the vision thing can can be so creative, and really, you can use your your own um, your own personality and your own likes and dislikes to kind of develop the kind of life you want to carry into retirement. Um, and really, just just this is just a seed being planted, right? I mean, there's no one way to retire no run right way to retire. Right. It's really yours to define. Um, but really just don't think of like retirement as the goal. Sorry, think of retirement as a goal, not the vision. Um, so really ask yourself this, this simple question, you know, who, who do you want to be in retirement? I think that's really the point of the article. Yeah. I think I liked how it focused on that. It helped you switch up some of the language a bit. And uh, overall, yeah, just kind of discover who, who you are and who you want to be in retirement. Um, because we see a lot of folks that get there and are are lost. Yeah, and it's a uh, it's a good thing to think about. You mentioned twenties. It's a good thing to think about in your twenties. Even it's not too early to think about that. So anyway, yeah. good good article. Think piece from Kiplinger about retirement, creating a vision for retirement. Um, and uh, I think that's an important aspect of good financial planning. So, yeah, that's great, man. Good article. All right, the question of the week, Matthew. I'm going to ask you this question. Oh boy. It's a big question. It's a good question because I think a lot of people are confused. Sometimes I'm even confused and surprised by it. But here we go. Does a beneficiary designation override a will? Yeah, it's a great question. And the answer in short is typically yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so for, for accounts like a bank account or a brokerage account or an IRA account or a 401k account, these types of accounts, if you have a beneficiary designation on there, it actually bypasses probate. And what I mean by that is um, uh, these assets are distributed uh, within a very short amount of time, typically a week um, to two weeks, and probate can take nine months to a year. And so these accounts um, will be distributed before the probate process likely even begins. Yeah. And so it is very important that if you have your will different from your beneficiaries, understanding that beneficiaries bypass the will. Yeah, and it's strange because will is a will is this legal document and you think it's written in stone and this will dictate everything and it does if you don't have beneficiaries. Right. But ben- beneficiaries override and beneficiaries are super easy, easy to change. Very easy. <laughs> I mean, yeah. It's it's, it's a like signature. it's a signature and and you can change them anytime and it's quick. And so just I think overall the question is really leading to make sure if you have a will, you know, and it is what your wishes are that your beneficiaries align with it, mm. because yes, your beneficiaries will dictate where where your funds go. Yeah, yeah uh, so good. it's an important thing to re- revisit because yeah, the last thing we want is um, people whose wishes don't come to pass because they you know forgot to update a beneficiary. So yeah, that's right. Yep, yep. So if you have any questions on that, let us know. Yeah. We can be glad to talk through that. That's right. So that's right. So Matthew, what? Do we have for our second topic today? Second and last topic is how to help heirs with disabilities. So if you have children or grandchildren or people in your life who have um, disabilities and you want to leave them assets, how, how do you do that? And so this is, you know, again, for estate owners, um, specifically with financial support and providing that for these heirs with disabilities. Um, a special needs trust can help protect vulnerable family members uh, without affecting government benefits. Um, so this is an article from Schwab, and it's really good um, that, that details this. Again, if you have any questions, please feel free to reach out to us with uh, with with those questions. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, so, you know, 
proper estate planning is normally very good and especially in these situations meeting ultimately meeting with an estate attorney who has experience with special needs trust is going to be very beneficial um, because government assistance is a very large part for most people oh, yeah. with with these individuals and so you know making sure that these assets that are being accrued over time don't hinder that or don't mess with these certain limits is right. very important um, and these so these special needs trusts can be indispensable and while they can be complicated uh, we we're just going to discuss some some of the basics below um, in this article yeah yeah so how do, how do how do they work how do special needs trusts work. So they're irrevocable trusts that preserve the beneficiary's eligibility for need-based government benefits because the trust, not the beneficiary, owns the assets. <laughs> yep. um, so, you know, such trusts can pay for things like quality of life expenses outside the scope of government assistance, such as education, entertainment, travel, so long as the funds are used only for substantiated expenses not covered by government benefits. Uh, in particular, you may wish to consider a third-party special needs trust, which can be established by anyone other than the beneficiary to help provide for someone with a disability. Uh, if you create the trust during your lifetime, it can receive gifts from a third party, such as a family member or friend. And by contrast, you know, if you create the trust with a will or a living trust, it will be funded upon your death and cannot receive contri uh, contributions from others. But overall, the trust is designed to make sure that the beneficiary maintains government uh, assistance assistance for uh, their needs. Yeah, that's right. And so again, if it's not created in the will, but it's created during the lifetime of the person who initiates a trust for the beneficiary, multiple people can give to it with um, parents or family members, friends. Um, you can even supplement it with life insurance policies inside of this trust that is properly written up by an attorney mm -hmm. while the person who initiates it is alive. Yeah, um, This is a way to receive funding not solely from an estate when someone passes, but over time as people desire to give. Now, trusts in general are complicated financial vehicles, but special needs trusts have the additional burden on staying on the right side of these government rules, uh, which can vary by state. Um, so here are two common errors made by those creating such trusts. Yeah, so the first one is the failing to appoint a specialized trustee. So special needs trusts require, Matthew, as you said, a much higher level of fiduciary responsibility than other types of trusts. If the trustee mismanages the funds, the beneficiary could lose their government benefits. So really it's best to work with an attorney who, who, ha who really knows this stuff well. I mean, to make sure that they don't screw it up because this it really is sensitive and, and there are some, I find bizarre government rules around yeah. how, much, how much an asset a, a child or an adult with special needs can have in order for them to receive government benefits, but they're there. And so we wanna make sure um, you plan accordingly so you don't violate any, any of those, uh, those rules. Yeah, and so, you know, with that, even having, and this is really getting into the weeds, and so, you know, we do know a few people who um, have these trusts, and um, I'm sure there's many more who don't, who would benefit from this, and you can even pass this along, but, you know, having someone overseeing that, a, a corporate trustee, even who has experience in this to kind of manage this for you, mm -hmm. can be very beneficial, and yes, there is an expense to that, um, but again, there's so many rules that, need to be understood well for the whoever is the trustee that maybe it could be worth it 
Um, so, you know, some of these roles that these people can do is that they can administer the trust according to the terms of the trust. They can distribute the assets past yep. when you're gone. They can manage the investments of your assets. They, uh, and ultimately, um, as any trustee would, they, they put the interests of the trust and your beneficiaries first. So, you know, paying for a service, again, may or may not be what you're looking for, but that it, it, I guess if you're in this and you're really struggling or you're overwhelmed, know that there is an option out there that right. can help you. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the second uh, thing, the misstep is failing to update accounts to match trust documents. So there are three places where this, this can typically happen. The first is obviously in the account titling, you know, you never make your heir or joint owner on your financial accounts. If you die, uh, and they become sole owner, it could disqualify them from receiving the government benefits, which yeah. is obviously the last thing you want. And so to fund the special needs trust with these assets, be sure just to title them, uh, title the accounts in the name of the trust and not the name of your child. So that's, that's it's it's a clear thing, but it's it's important. And, you know, again, life is overwhelming. It can be a misstep and it's very important that you don't, you know, don't do that. Yeah, that's right. And these two other ones, beneficiary designations, again, making sure that the trust is the beneficiary um, on annuities, life insurance, retirement, other financial accounts. Um, that's super important. Um, <clears throat> and then testamentary designations. So when you uh, when you establish or update your will, um, be sure you you have the exact name of the trust. Most of the time, there's also a date included. Um, if there's anything other than a minor spelling mistake, then your trustee or uh, executor may have to go to court to make sure it's what your wishes were and it can complicate it a lot. So if you ever change the trust also or revise it or in the, the title changes with that new date, and this goes for honestly any trust that you have. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, right. Making sure that your estate documents match the legal name and title of the trust mm -hmm. um, is very important. And it, it it simplifies it for your heirs, for your trustee, for your executor when you do pass, if all of those are linked up. And again, this is, it takes effort, it takes time to make sure all of this is done, but if you don't do it, then your heirs will have to do it. And that's typically uh, much harder for heirs yeah. to do it than for, um, uh, than, than for the, in, the initial setup from the trustee standpoint. Yeah, absolutely. And so as you think, if this is a situation that applies to you, you know, as a part of the planning, it's really just, it's important to anticipate the challenges that may present themselves uh, throughout your loved one's lifetime. So if you're the legal guardian of an adult with a disability, for example, you also need to ensure you've identified a successor guardian who's familiar with their area situation and can continue to advocate for them after you're gone. Um, you know, given the risk, it's really ideal for everyone involved in the process from the estate attorney who drafts the trust documents to the trust company to really be experts in these sorts of special needs trusts. Uh, otherwise, you really, they're just more likely to make a mistake. And Matthew, as you were saying, a small error today could bloom into a ma massive obstacle down the line. And, you know, yes, that'll be someone else's problem if you're no longer around. And you can think that way. But, <laughs> I mean, realistically, it really isn't. It's it's complicated. It's, or I should say it's a lot of steps. But it's not hard to set up. Hmm. You just got to. It's one of the things you got to just check off and get done. And I know this from experience because I have a special needs trust for my daughter who has special needs. And so... Um, it's again, it's, but it's, it's so important. It's, you want to make sure they are taken care of, um, if, if you're gone and that they receive the government benefits, the healthcare, the therapy, all that stuff that's important for their, not just their development, but their enjoyment of life. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I, again, I'm happy to talk about these things too. If you're, if uh, you're, this is a situation you find yourself in, um, but it's important to set up. It didn't take too long. And really folks are pretty eager to help out mm. with these things uh, to uh, attorneys that is. So anyway, that's a good article. Good read from yeah. Schwab. Yeah, that's great. Great article. Again, if you have any questions, let us know. We'd be happy yeah. to talk through that. Mm-hmm. And and we're going to wrap up with the the RX. Prescription. The prescription. That's right. You can come to your money doctors anytime, get a prescription yeah. for your health, for yes, your money health. Your money health. Yeah. And this one is about Roth conversions. Um, so a lot of times we talk about Roth conversions after retirement and it's kind of, it can be an uh, uh, after the fact matter. But what I want to prescribe you today, okay, Matthew, is think about these Think about a Roth conversion strategy before you retire or, or way before you retire because the real benefit of a Roth conversion is um, converting money from an IRA in, in the lowest tax bracket, which right now is, is 12%, um, before you draw Social Security or before if you can delay your pension before you del- take your pension. That mm-hmm. way you can get more money in that 12% bracket to co- convert to a Roth, which is tax-free uh, forever. Right. And so, but if you don't, plan early enough and you've retired, you, you start drawing your pension, you're taking social security, then there just is not enough room for it to be effective. And so just thinking about this a few years before retirement is the prescription. Don't just wait until retirement, but think, hey, what are the income sources you're going to have in retirement? And, and let's talk about this earlier rather than later. So just planning a little bit earlier for this uh, is, the, is the prescription. So. Man, I feel better already. Do you? Yeah, it feels good. <laughs> I'm so glad you've. It's medicine. It's medicine, man. It's good. That's good. That's good medicine. <laughs> All right. Well, let's take that medicine and wrap it up. Good That's story. right. That's right. And this has been this week's edition of Money MD. Tune in next week on MoneyMD.net to hear more prescriptions for your financial health. Check out our website, MoneyMD.net, and send us your questions. Or give us a call at Richard Young Associates at 706 739 Thanks for listening and have a great rest of the week. Yep, have a good one. Material in this program is intended for general information only and should not be taken as specific investment tax or legal advice. None of the information contained in this broadcast is intended by the host to be a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. All hosts are representatives of Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor. About a certain sum.